Welcome to Council for Unplugged, the podcast of our AFSCME Council for Union. I'm Larry Dorman at AFSCME, and we are proud to represent 30,000 hardworking people in the public and private sectors across this great state of Connecticut. We are pulling on to Election Day, fast approaching November 3rd. So we have two great guests to talk about the upcoming election and the voting process. They're going to be Denise Merrill, who is our wonderful Secretary of the State of Connecticut. And we're also going to hear later in the show from Jeanette Morrison, who is an AFSCME member and also uh, a member of the Board of Alders in New Haven, who's working in her community to promote voter engagement. So without further ado, I'm going to... uh, throw it over to my colleague, Renee Hamill, and we're going to have a great conversation with Denise Merrill, our Secretary of State. So, Renee, why don't you take it away? Yeah, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. Um, So, this is a very important election year. Um, It is a presidential election, and we have this unprecedented pandemic that's happening alongside it, um, which is changing the voting landscape and the process. Um, So tell us what you and your office are doing to ensure that people can exercise their right to vote this year and to do so safely. Well, thank you, Renee. And it's great to be here with all the hardworking people of Council 4. And I know for many years, you guys have helped with voter engagement, getting people to make sure they exercise that precious right to vote that we all have. And Uh, This has been an extremely challenging year. There's no question about it, especially because Connecticut really has done very little uh, voting by mail or absentee balloting or whatever you want to call it. Um, In our state constitution, we are restricted, very restricted in who can get an absentee ballot most of the time. And it's it's so restrictive that it, it makes it difficult in a time like today where we need to be able to let some people vote by absentee ballot who are fearful of becoming sick with COVID if they go to the polls. And it's a legitimate concern. And especially when uh, we first encountered this back when we were doing our primary, uh, the governor and I talked about this and we're very, very concerned about people, particularly over the age of 65, who are more at risk or who have underlying health conditions or whatever the situation is. And we've come up with this slogan, which I keep repeating over and over. This is about the voters, and we never, ever want to have anyone have to choose between their health and their vote. And that's the bottom line of everything we have done in this election. It's to enable everyone to be able to exercise their right to vote. So, so of course, we had to find a way to recognize that uh, even in our state constitution, if you're unable to get to the polls due to illness, you may receive an absentee ballot. But because of all the other health restrictions that were going on, for example, town halls are closed, in some cases still closed, on very limited hours. So these things make it much more difficult for people to get absentee ballots. So uh, thanks to a very nice federal grant that we got, $5 million from our uh, federal delegation, they worked hard to get it to us under these circumstances, we had the money to be able to mail out applications for absentee ballots, not the ballots. There's been a lot of confusion about that. The applications, because you have to apply for an absentee ballot in our state. We have lots of checks and balances. 
on absentee ballots. So that's the first thing we did, and we did it again this general election. Um, we've also made sure that our polling places are safe. That's a big concern because many, many people will still go to the polling places. Uh, we don't really know how many people will vote absentee versus uh, at the polling place, so we have to make sure both work. Um, the polling places, we have spent uh, quite a lot of money for the towns to uh, secure the polling places. So they will all be required to follow all the CDC guidelines that we're used to now in the grocery stores and so forth. Uh, personally, I'm going to be voting at the polling place because I it's important to me. I want to do that. And there, we will stand six feet apart. Only certain people will be allowed in at a time. Everyone will be asked to wear masks. Uh, the polling uh, places, uh, the poll workers have been equipped with all the PPE. We have paid for all that. We have paid for scrubbing of the polling places, both before and after. We've provided hand sanitizer. Uh, most uh, polling places will be providing one-time pencils or pens. All those sorts of security measures are in place in all the polling places in the state. So that's one big thing. We have also uh, recruited volunteers. We have a volunteer bank now of about 7,000 people who have volunteered to help out at the polls this year because, yes, we'll need more people, whether it's counting those, those additional absentee ballots or, or helping out at the polling place with the lines or whatever it is, we'll have many more people at the polls. I think it's important for everyone to know that elections are managed at the local level almost entirely. Right. We have provided this help to them. But for example, if you wanted to volunteer to work at the polls, you wouldn't volunteer with me. We have this bank of people, but you have to apply at your local level. So the towns are the ones, the registrars of voters manage election day uh, in every town, 169 towns. And that again is a challenge. We don't have counties. We're the only state that doesn't manage our elections by county. So it makes it really a challenge for all of us to be on the same page at the same time. We've done a lot of training out there. Uh, and, and I should mention one more thing before I let you ask please. another question. We no, have please. mounted a very large PR campaign to help voters understand how to fill out absentee ballots, uh, what, how to access your polling place, and, of course, encouraging people to get out there and vote. I don't think we're going to have to worry about that too much in this election because uh, we have the highest voter registration ever on record in the state right now, and they're still pouring in. People want to be heard this year. And so I think that's the greatest thing I've seen in a long, long time in elections. We're mostly moaning about how there's too much apathy. Well, apathy is not the problem this year. The other interesting thing is the number of 18 to 24-year-olds who are registering for the first time is just astronomical, off the charts. Um, you know, usually we have maybe 15,000 registered. We have like 100,000 registering. It's that scale of increase. That's so fantastic. those are all like positives, you know, I mean, yeah. and our job is just to manage the tremendous number of people who are going to want to vote, whether by absentee or at the polls. And I think every election official in this state, we're on high alert. We're going to do the best job we can for the voters. And I think we're, we're knock on wood. We're in pretty good shape for the moment. 
<laughs> That's really great to hear. You're listening to Council 4 Unplugged. Uh, Larry Dorman and Renee Hamill here. Our guest is the Secretary of the State of Connecticut. She is Denise Merrill. Uh, Denise was elected Secretary of State in 2010. Prior to that, 17-plus um, years uh, as a state representative from the Mansfield area. And Denise, just kind of a follow-up question, because again, as Renee said, you know, we're in this unprecedented pandemic, a public health crisis. Um, so for most people in Connecticut, absentee balloting or early voting is our new concepts. Um, so how, again, what's your office uh, doing in terms of educating voters and how to vote early or absentee? Uh, what are you doing to help ensure confidence in that particular voting process. And and then just as a follow-up, I guess, um, if you can discuss the online system where people can check to see if their ballot was actually received by the town clerks who you just alluded to. Yes, I will. And um, actually, that is one of the checks and balances. You know, ironically, in Connecticut, we have so many checks and balances on on absentee ballots that it takes a long, long time to process every one of them. And that's part of our challenge this year. Usually we have about 5% of people voting absentee. In the primary, we had almost 70%. That gives you some idea of the scale of what we're expecting. So I know there's concern, especially among people who have never voted by absentee ballot before. Um, there are many, many ways that we check to make sure, for example, that you can only vote once. And I'll give you a couple of examples. But um, uh, when you get your absentee ballot, it will come with two different envelopes inside of it, as well as your ballot and some other things that explain things. So first of all, just to explain exactly how you do it, and we have... Um, we have put out ads on TV, on the internet, on social media. We have just launched a major uh, campaign to explain to people exactly how to do all this. And it's done with almost like cartoons. It's very simple. And we're trying to boil it down to its basic level. But basically, you get a ballot. You fill it out. You don't sign it because your ballot is secret. It's anonymous. And we don't want to know who you are right? So you fold that ballot in half and you put it in what we call the inner envelope. That will be in your ballot packet. That's the one that you do sign and date. And you make sure you seal it because this is one of the checks. If you don't seal it, how do we know that someone hasn't tampered with it, right? So if that ballot is not sealed in the inner envelope, it will not be counted, literally. Um, if it is not signed, it won't be counted. Those are pretty much the two ways that your ballot can be invalidated. And those are both checks to make sure that you are the person that put that ballot in that envelope. Also, don't put two in there because then it won't be counted either. You know, some people think, oh, husband and wife, let's save some money and put in both in the same envelope. Don't do that because that's also a way we check to make sure that only that person is voting with that ballot. All right, then once you've done that, seal it, sign it, you put it in the outer envelope, which has your name on it, but not only that, it has a barcode with your information on it, only yours. And so when you mail that back or put it in the ballot box, which we are actually recommending because of all the questions about the mail, uh, there's ballot box in every town in the state, usually right in front of City Hall. Uh, then 
when it arrives at the clerk's office, they scan in that barcode and then they check you off. You have basically logged in your ballot. And uh, what Larry is referring to is if you go to our website, there's a lookup tool where you can look up your name, your address, and you can see when and if your ballot gets received by that town clerk. That's another check on the system. So the voter themselves can see it. That is a new function for us. We never could do that before. Uh, and we very quickly put some of these things in place. Uh, they need to be better, but right now at least you can do that. And so uh, it takes a little time because there's some coming in. It won't be in real time, but you will see by election day if you have voted because that will mean you have voted. Then you're put, there's a little AB now next to your name. So now if you come in on election day, you would not be able to vote in person because there'd be a little AB next to your name, which shows, oh, you've already voted absentee. So that's another check on the system. Uh, and then, so you wouldn't be allowed to vote if you came in and there was an AB next to your name. Now let's say, you know, one question that comes up as well, what if somebody comes in and uh, does an AB uh, on, on election day and then goes over and votes? Well, the way we check on that is we do not count those ABs that came in on election day until after eight o'clock. And then that whole group is compared against the list of people who voted in person. If someone's voted in person, we just discard the other one. So you see, there's a lot of ways we check on all this. Uh, and, and, and yet we do, I think it's extremely important that every vote is counted and counted appropriately. We don't want to disenfranchise anyone, nor do we want there to be any fraud in the system. So I think we've got a very good balance between those two very important uh, values. And also, uh, again, we're, we have a very large grant that we just got on top of the money we were already spending from the federal government to uh, do this PR campaign which hopefully will get around. I think in the next few weeks, you'll see a lot of information about how voters can vote either by absentee ballot or at the polls and why it's so important. You're listening to Council for Unplug. Our guest is the Secretary of the State of Connecticut, Denise Merrill. And uh, later in the show, we're going to also be joined by one of our state employee members, Jeanette Morrison, who is a New Haven member of the New Haven Board of Alders. Uh, Denise, I wanted to ask you, we're a union of 30,000 people. Uh, what can we do? What can AFSCME members do to encourage voter participation? And, to, and what can our members do to educate their coworkers about early voting and, and absentee voting? Um, you know, I think um, use our website. We have a lot of materials on there, um, little podcasts, even cartoons, any networks people have especially on social media, we're putting a lot of stuff out that explains these things to people. I think there is a lot of confusion about absentee ballots in particular. And just mm -hmm. to make sure people feel like, okay, I can do either one. This is an option. You know, it's not an option. It doesn't have to be for everyone. You can take your choice. And Americans kind of like that idea of taking their choice. And so um, communication is really what we need right now. I, I do think people are going to show up to vote. I was a little concerned about uh, the idea that people would be fearful of voting. And that's why we did all this. I want to make sure people feel like in Connecticut, we know that they can vote securely and confidently no matter which way they choose to vote. 
Um, and so any information we can get out there, I would say uh, our, our website, you know, make sure people can go log on, look up their name, make sure they're registered, make sure there's no glitches on election day, because sometimes you get there and whoops, your name has fallen off the list for whatever reason. A lot of times clerical error, whatnot. Um, but just anything they can do to make sure p- their friends at least know that it's okay, it's good to vote this year. Everyone needs to come out. This is some right that people have fought and died for, and we owe them it to, to get out there and express yourself. Uh, so just to make sure that they know we're doing everything we can. Excellent, excellent. I'm so glad that you touched on the, the volunteer aspect earlier because it's true. We have, All of our towns are the ones making sure that these elections are happening. Um, and it does require a lot of volunteer participation. Um, I was actually one of those volunteers for the last presidential election. I helped moderate um, a site, a polling site in Hartford. Ooh. And that day I learned how, you know, there's so many barriers when it comes to voting. We have people that have disabilities, um, that, um, you know, English may be a second language. Some people had vision impairments where they couldn't fill in a bubble on their own. All these little things that I would never really think about until you're there seeing it firsthand. Um, but I wanted to um, bring up the importance of um, the provisional ballot. Um, sometimes people are told that they're not on the voter rolls and they have to go to town hall to um, register, to check check out to see if they really are on the voter rolls. So I was wondering if you could talk about the provisional ballot. Um, and also, you know, if somebody um, does experience their voter rights being um, infringed on are violated, you know, what can they, what can they do about that? What is some of the recourse? Sure. And um, that's great that you were at one of the polling, but you were an actual moderator or a poll worker. Yes, I was the moderator. You were the moderator. Good for you. You're right. It's a powerful experience, isn't it? Uh, when you really see people, everybody from every walk of life coming in and so important to them that they uh, get their vote. And yes, sometimes uh, we, we have new uh, disability machines. Uh, they're called IVR, IVS machines. Every polling place has one and they serve people with multiple disabilities so they don't have to fill out those bubbles. Um, and hopefully we'll have enough poll workers there to be able to help every single person. Um, the, um, the recourse people have, if they see problems at the polls, every year we have a hotline, uh, and that is announced multiple times throughout the day. And people, anybody can call the hotline and say, I experienced this, someone was hassling me, whatever it is, you can call our hotline and we will have someone check it out. I have a whole uh, bunch of about 100 volunteer attorneys who act as our kind of eyes and ears on the ground. So if we hear something, they can go over and see what's going on and, and call us back and we can do something about it if it needs to be done. Uh, we are, we always have, we're on alert with Every, everything from law enforcement agencies to the Election Enforcement Commission, which is the group that actually does the enforcement of these problems. Uh, and so, you know, we have lots of ways to help people at the polls. But as you know, the moderator is really in charge of every polling place on Election Day. The moderator becomes like the chief honcho uh, in that situation. And so uh, it's a very powerful position, honestly, because the moderators are in charge of making sure every single person gets their right to vote. Um, You know, there are a lot of barriers, you're right. And 
it's hard to take care of them all, especially under COVID. Uh, you know, we're going to have to enforce the mask rule. People should have masks on to protect the poll workers. Yep. Uh, so all that is going to have Good. to be done. And um, hopefully your people like you can volunteer with your local election officials right up front and make sure they know there's lots of people out there that want to help out. This has just been a wonderful show. I want to thank Denise Merrill, the Connecticut Secretary of State. Thank you so much, Larry. Thank you, Renee. It's been great. And uh, let's go vote. Let's go vote. (laughs) And we will be returning with Jeanette Morrison to talk a little bit more about what she's doing to promote voter engagement in her community. So thanks for listening. And we'll be back after the break. And we're back on Council 4 Unplugged. I'm Larry Dorman with Renee Hamill. And our second guest today, as we approach the November 3rd election, is Jeanette Morrison. Jeanette is an amazing person. She is a member of AFSCME Local 2663, who works as a social work supervisor at the Department of Children and Families New Haven office. Uh, Jeanette also gives uh, generously and substantially of her time to her community in New Haven. Uh, Jeanette is a member, an elected member of the Board of Alders in New Haven. She's been doing that for several years and has risen to the ranks of vice president and pro temp of the New Haven Board of Alders. So we're very proud of you, Jeanette. You are a, a terrific union member and a terrific community advocate. So we're, we're pleased to have you. Thank you. Uh, yes. And Renee, I'm going to throw it over to you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Jeanette. Tell us what you're doing in your community to help engage voters. So um, there, there's so many different um, activities going on in the in the. Uh, New Haven community at large to um, ensure that people understand their right of voting, understand that um, due to COVID, they have the opportunity to um, vote um, via absentee ballot, and also making sure that everyone is registered to vote. So one of the things that um, I, I, I took upon myself um, for my ward is I always think about, I think about everyone, but the two most vulnerable groups I feel are our senior populations and our children. And so when I think about my seniors, I think about the fact that not every senior is able to get out and vote. And, um, and a, lot of, a lot of them wanna vote absentee. So what I did, um, I have five senior homes, senior buildings in my ward. And so I did um, what I call a voter registration absentee ballot um, support series in conjunction with one of our local um, fraternities, Omega Psi Five fraternity. Um, There's a couple of chapters that um, I work with. And what we did was we held Um, a social distance um, voter registration um, process and absentee ballot application um, support process. And we did, I did that on three occasions. I went to two of the senior homes where they had the larger um, community rooms um, and they had appointments and they came down because to do the absentee ballot application doesn't take anything but about two to three minutes 
Um, and for those who have not registered, they also did their voter registration cards and absentee ballot application. But one of the things <clears throat> that I did that is a little, um, I guess, unorthodox, I decided because one of my senior homes is very, didn't feel too comfortable about trying to do social distance at the um, building. I decided to take my little table, and my two little chairs, and I propped them up on the corner of Henry Street and Dixwell Avenue. That's a very major um, yep. way um, in my ward, and which is not too far from that senior home, and just registered people and help people with their absentee ballot applications because I had copies of everything. And I also gave everyone um, a sheet to explain what this process is about. I think, you know, um, as a country, uh, we have not done a good job with every individual understanding the absentee ballot process. So in doing these, um, these applications, um, I also gave them a four-point sheet that talked about you'll get one from the state. Don't worry about that. We've already done that. Once you you um, um, once we turn these applications in, you'll get your ballots um, sometime during the first week of October. If you didn't get it by October 12th, call your um, clerk's office to let them know. Um, and then once you do have your ballot, you can bring your ballot down and put it in one of the official ballot boxes that sits in front of our local um, um, clerk's office. So the community, I think, found it very helpful because you had some people who have never voted. I've met people that were 65 years old and never, ever registered to vote, but they're so pissed off with you know the current administration and the way that things are going the lack of um, response to the pandemic, the racial, you know, injustice, all these different things. They want to be a part of this historic um, election to make a change, to make a difference. So those are the, the things that I've been involved, along with putting out constant um, efforts. Um, through, I have an email a distribution of about you know, over 400 people um, here in the ward to let people know how they too can get involved in making sure that every um, person um, that's eligible can uh, cast their votes. So I know that was a long uh, answer to your one no. question, but that's what Jeanette has done. Um, that's, that's a lot. That's about it. Oh, it is? Okay, good. <laughs> that's, a, you're, that's incredible. I don't know how you're finding the time. Uh, our guest is Jeanette Morrison. She is a member of our AFSCME Local 2663, works at the uh, State Department of Children and Families, but she's also uh, an alderman or alder person, I should say, in Ward 22 in New Haven, Vice President Pro Tem of the Board of Alders. So uh, Jeanette has a um, a uh, very senior and important position in that elected body. So, Jeanette, obviously we are living in, uh, and I'm being charitable here, crazy times with COVID-19 and the pandemic. Um, but due to the pandemic, obviously it has created this opportunity for earlier absentee voting. And we, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on the program is to is to ask you, what are you seeing in your community, in the New Haven community and elsewhere, 
regarding this way of voting that is new for so many people? And you know, what are the challenges that this new voting earlier, absentee, mail-in voting, what are the challenges it presents? And, and how are you meeting those challenges in New Haven? Well, um, like I said before, I think people and they're just being educated about the absentee ballot process. Um, if you've never done an absentee ballot and, you know, the language is you're, you're going to get an absentee ballot. If you want to vote absentee ballot, um, you know, vote via absentee ballot is going to come to your home. Well, when you get that application, some would think that's their absentee ballot, you know, versus there's an application, you know, but who, who would know? Who would know that? Unless that unless there was education around it, unless there was a note or something in the envelope to say this is just an application. Um, and so I find that to be a challenge um, because I, I'm, I'm very visual in my um, community, especially with this pandemic. I've been doing a lot of walking, which is good because there's things I've been living in New Haven outside of college all my life for 52 years. And there's so many things in my town I have never seen. So I'm glad, you know, that at least the pandemic has pushed me and others to um, look at better health. But because I'm visual in, in my um, ward and I have good relationships, people see me, especially my seniors, are like, Jeanette, now I got this application thing, something in the mail, what do I do? And then I tell them what they do. And then I'm like, and then you have to, once you get the the ballot back, fill it out. It has to go on the ballot box. But how do I do that? I just tell them, call me. I'll come and, and give you a ride to give you a, um, a ride downtown to on the ballot box. Because we live, we're, we're blessed. We live seven minutes from downtown. And so that's what I've been doing, giving folks rides to, bring them down to the ballot box so they can put their ballots in. And, you know, that too becomes a, a, a barrier, transportation. Um, you know, everybody can't walk. You know, even though we're seven minutes away, 10 minutes away, everyone can't get down here. How do you do that? You know, usually with voting and people with, um, with absentee ballots, you know, on that day, if it wasn't mailed in on that day, usually you have to call a police officer who then is, um, you know, told to go to whatever home to pick up the absentee ballot to bring it downtown. And that's how it's official. But now with the um, absentee ballot, um, um, what are they called? The, sitting front of the boxes being right in front of um uh, right in front of the clerk's office, it does make it a little easier. But again, for those people who aren't mobile, um, it can be a little challenging. But we work it out. I always say we're one big family over here. We'll work it out. Yeah, so you were touching on some of the barriers that people in your community experience just to be able to get out and vote. Um, you know, and there's also a, a long history of voter suppression in black and brown communities, you know, which is exacerbated, I think, with COVID and um, the barriers that exist. Um, you know, for example, like election day is not a public holiday, you know, so for people to take time off of work to be able to go and vote or, you know, try to get childcare 
these are just some of the barriers that exist. Um, so, you know, why is it important for leaders and ASPE members like yourself to encourage voter participation in our workplaces and our communities? Um, it's important because unfortunately, and as much as, you know, like I run into a lot of people and, you know, try to get them involved in one of my little pet peeves that people will say, I don't, I don't do politics. And I'm, for me, I'm like, how don't you do politics? I mean, if you don't do politics, politics will do you. And I don't want anyone having that kind of control over my entire life. And so, you know, we have a responsibility if we don't like the way that things are going. And I mean, don't get me wrong, as far as politicians, myself, anybody that's involved in this, no one's perfect because we all come from our own different perspectives. But you have to look at, you know, who is closest to the things that you want to see, the change in the world that you want want to see. And you have to vote. You have to participate. Because if you don't, the way that we see life, you know, it's going to be totally different. The way that, you know, look at, you know, as DCF, you know, politics. Politics could have, you know, said, I don't care how much of a pandemic is going on. Every one of you as workers and whoever, whatever your role is, you are going into each one of those offices every single day. I don't care. And politics has is the, is the piece that plays in, you know, those type of decisions. So it's really important that um, we as ASPE members, that people in general participate in the, in the election, in politics, even if you don't quite understand, um, you know, or even if you don't, you know, because people will say, well, I don't like either candidate. It doesn't make a difference. You have to vote because no vote is a vote for the guy or gal that you really don't like. That's what you always have to remember. You don't go and exercise your right to vote, even if this person is not the best. When you don't do it, you voted for the person that's really not the best. And so that's the way that we all have to look at that. We have to take that into consideration that we have a responsibility to exercise our right that people have died, literally died, to make sure that we have. And I don't take that for granted. As an as a African-American Black woman, I do not take that for granted because just the other day, they made it okay for me and my mother and my sister to be able to vote. So to, to look at that and, and take that for granted is, is flat to, you know, all the ones before us um, yep. and everything that they went through for us um, to be able to have this right. So I hope I answered your question. But, beautifully yeah. said, beautifully said, uh, Jeanette. And uh, November 3rd is around the corner and it's just critically important. We have this beautiful, blessed right uh, to help shape our democracy in a way that hopefully works better for, for working people, for uh, for our communities. And it, it starts by voting. Uh, yes. So our guest has been Jeanette Morrison of AFSME Local 2663. Uh, she also serves on the Board of Alders in New Haven. It has been terrific as always to catch up with you, Jeanette. So thanks. Thank you. Um, I thanks appreciate again. you guys thinking of me. Mm-hmm. 
as um, someone to talk to and, and, and look at, you know, some of the things mm-hmm. that are going on um, in New Haven. I appreciate it's, you all. Yeah, well, it, it's, you know, no secret we at Council 4 hold, <laughs> hold you up as a, a, an amazing example of, of somebody who cares about her union, cares about workers' rights, but also understands that um, – you've got to walk the walk in your community and make life better in your local community. And, and you're an example of that. So we want to thank you for coming on. Um, thanks as well to our previous guest uh, earlier on the show, the secretary of the state of Connecticut, Denise Merrill. Um, I want to thank my co-host Renee Hamill and Johnny Daly, my council for colleague who engineers and produces this show. I'm Larry Dorman. Thanks for listening. You have been unplugged. As always, thanks for listening to our Council 4 Unplugged podcast. You can find us on all major social platforms by searching for Council 4 AFSME. Our website is council4.org. My name's Larry Dorman, and you've been unplugged.